and welcome to the very first episode of the Sim Racing in Focus podcast. Uh, this, is a, this is a podcast where we talk about sim racing, as the name suggests, um, and in particular the Australian iRacing scene. At least here in the beginning, that's where we'll be focusing most of our attention. I'm your host, Dean Reddit. I'm the owner of a small startup website known as simracinginfocus.blog. Uh, which is meant to be a blog-style website that brought some interesting articles on sim racing and people working in the sim racing industry. Uh, as time would have it, it's been quite difficult to, to churn out uh, the, the standard of articles that I've wanted to, so we're deflecting here in the meantime to uh, this podcast format, which will hopefully allow me to cover many topics quickly and also get to get down to doing what I really like doing best and that and that's speaking with those people and networking with people within the industry. Uh, outside of sim racing, uh, I'm just a, I, I enjoy podcasts as well, um, big community of work, so hopefully going to take a few bits and pieces and, of uh, other podcasts that I listen to and, and put them into this show to hopefully bring you something that you can enjoy listening to. As far as the format of the podcast is concerned, we're going to be trying to keep everything within the hour. Uh, that's going to include following a few league races, covering some news topics, any dramas or anything, any developing stories in the sim racing world. Uh, we've probably a bigger focus on iRacing, as we mentioned before. Uh, and then we'll, that'll be followed by what I consider to be the main part of each episode. And that will be a interview with someone working in the community, working, racing, managing any element like that. The, this, the first segment is meant to be done in, inside 15, 20 minutes, so it's going to be fast-paced. It's not going to be uh, huge in-depth analysis, um, but it'll all build towards the people that we get to interview, and, and it'll all help everyone understand where uh, those interviews are coming from. So, okay, everyone, let's start this episode how we're going to start every episode, and that's with our weekly drive-by segments. In this first part, we're going to be covering... A few league races here in Australia. Um, I've got six in particular that we're going to be following here in the beginning, uh, including four V8 Supercar Leagues, uh, Porsche Cup League and a GT3 League. Two of these six leagues are now underway uh, with the first one here. V8 Veterans has now been going for uh, five rounds at the time of recording. Um, so they're well underway. V8 Boomers, as they're affectionately known in the team that I'm involved in. Um, I say that lovingly, knowing that I'm on the brink of perhaps signing up to this league in the next year or so. So I don't mean any offense by calling it V8 Boomers. Um, so like I said, they're already a few rounds into the season. Um, and they kicked off their first round at Phillip Island. And what we're going to do is we're just going to break the podium down from each round here as we work through try and keep it brief because what I'm trying to aim to do here in this first episode is bring everyone up to speed so that when we go to next week's episode, you're just going to be hearing about the current round. So this is going to be fast paced. Um, so from round one, um, uh, reigning, uh, reigning champion from uh, last season is Michael Taliancic took out the win, uh, followed by Ken Ladder and Chris Miller, both of Fishy Motorsport. Um, Mick Taliancic completing a sort of move late last year to Altus Esports, which is, you know, I flag that now as, as something that potentially in down the track we can we can delve into and, and, and hope to speak to 
either Mick himself or or Simon from from Altus and and get them on to discuss about what was a bit of a merger between two teams there. It's just interesting how all that goes about behind the scenes with a, with a couple of relatively big teams and they end up in a merger. So it'd be good to touch base with those guys in the not-too-distant future. Um, so that's your podium from round one. Moving into round two, uh, there's 51 laps at the Canadian Time Motorsport Park. So a bit of a familiar favourite there with the V8 supercar community. Um, again, it was Mike Talianchitz taking out the win from Ken Ladder and uh, Blake Delaney, also fishing motorsports, in third. So, you know, the reigning champion coming out of the, bla- uh, out of the blocks relatively quickly again for the V8 veterans. Uh, round three, then moved on to uh, is 41 laps, the Okiyama International Circuit. From that race, uh, it was Blake Delaney who took the win from Ken Ladder and Brenton Nitschke from Frog Elite Juiced Racing. Uh, so a bit of a change up. The first time we don't see uh, Mick Talianchich on the podium in the opening three rounds. But once again, Ken Ladder's just almost owning the second place on the podium at this stage. So there's some, there's some protagonists to watch here in this league early doors, as you can see. Um, and... The reason why we're focusing on this is, is is there is a there is a bigger prize at the end of this season, which uh, the top the top driver I believe in in VA veterans gets a an automatic qualification through to uh, what is considered the the premier the, the top series in V8 supercars um, on iRacing nowadays, which is a Logitech G Pro Invitational series. Um, so if any of these these uh, drivers haven't qualified for that series via other means, they'll get an exemption from from being the highest place finisher in this league. So there is a there is an undercard here at play, which is why we're choosing to follow this league um, as one of our leagues. And so that's summary after round three, round four, moving on to uh, the Charlotte Motor Speedway. It was a returning a returning champion. So. Uh, Mr. Scotty Gamble has previously won the V8 Veterans and he, he's returned after a season off, I believe. Uh, he took the win at Charlotte Motor Speedway from Darren Lobb in second and uh, Mick Talianch is back on the podium there in third for round number four. Round five then shot off to Watkins Glen, popular, another popular track for the V8s on the iRacing platform, one of my personal favourites. And at, at Watkins Glen, it was Darren Love from Mick Talianchich and Dave Kirby, also fishing motorsports in third. Um, yeah, so that's just a real quick summary of the opening five rounds. Uh, and what that all boils down to is uh, Mick Talianchich is in the championship lead on 900 points, followed by Ken Ladder on 884 and Blake Delaney on 807. Um and once again, we've got a big particular focus on the top of this championship table for that automatic qualification into the Logitech G Pro Invitational Series. So we're going to leave that V8 Veterans right there. That's just a quick summary. When we come back in next week's episode, we'll get a bit of a chance to dive into the individual races uh, in fast-paced sort of style um, and not just really talk about the podium. Um, moving on to our, our second V8 Supercar League, which is also underway. 
moving on to the second series that we're choosing to follow here, and that is the East Coast V8 Supercar Series. Um, similar, similar exemption format here going through this league. Um, the V8 Vets has has one automatic exemption for the highest place finisher who hasn't qualified, whereas the East Coast V8 Series is... Uh, well, it has two exemption tickets, so the two highest placed uh, drivers at the end of the season will get that that ticket on to the Logitech G Pro Invitational Series. And we'll get a little bit more chance down the track to flesh out what this all means, but um, for the meantime, it's something to watch with these results as they come through. So round one of the East Coast they are not been going as long as the V8 veterans, uh, as the name suggests, the V8 veterans as well, by the way. It is it is an age-restricted um, series, so I believe it's over 40. Um, if it's not over 40, I should be racing in it <laughs> because I'm nearly 40. Um, but the East Coast is, 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 is open to everybody. So uh, they're the little differences between the two series. Um, uh, East Coast has just been going for... Two weeks at the time of this recording. Um, in the first week, we had uh, they visited Charlotte Roval as well. Um, there was it was quite a dominant display, really, from I guess the new team within the last twelve months, known as Lobs Esport. Uh, James Scott, James Scott, and Dylan Ryan basically curb stormed everybody. Um, Barring a safety car towards the end of the race, which tightened the field back up, did it quite easily. Uh, and I believe Sean McNamara from 95 Simsport, who rounded out the podium um, from round one. In race number two of the East Coast V8 series, um, they also went to Watkins Glen, where they had a sprint format, so two races on the night. A um, little bit of a familiar story from, from round one with... Um, Lobs Esports, James Scott taking out the race win in the first race, followed by Synergy Sim Racing's Tom Freer, closely followed by Dylan Rudd. Both those guys shared a, a pretty memorable last lap exchange. Uh, Tom getting the getting the win in that race. Uh, the second race was a bit of a reverse grid. I think it was about top 16 cars, something like that, that, that got reversed. Um, however, didn't make a whole lot of difference really with, with James Scott coming through and taking the win as well in that race um followed by 95 sim sports dylan o'shea and fishing motorsports thomas freeman rounding out the podium so we'll look to get some championship standings updated from that league I'm not quite seeing anything on the on their facebook page about where the standings are but it's quite clear that james scott would be leading that one uh we probably a pretty close run second place third place so so those 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 exemptions are going to be wide open there i think i believe the east coast might be a, a seven round series this season so a shortened one so um not a not a series that you can afford to fall behind in early if you're looking to get into that automatic uh qualification spot the other two leagues that we're following that are now active um we will also look to follow the v8 supercar online premier series um under new ownership, Australian online gaming community now taking ownership of them. So it would be interesting to see how that 
that league goes um, has been a long, long, long standing uh, Premier League for supercars in Australia until Logitech G Invitational Series has just come on board. We'll also follow the Australian Online Gaming Porsche Cup Series, which is their their flag up until this year. That's been their flagship series. Uh, Devil in it briefly. Really, really well run series. Um, some excellent racing. Uh, a very popular car nowadays on iRacing as well. The Porsche Super Cup or the Porsche Tag Heuer Esports Super Cup. I think I got that right. That's had a lot to do with it. Um, so interesting. Follow that league. See how that goes. Um, try and uh, look bigger picture with that league as well. Obviously, when the um, when when PESC, as it's known in short, that the 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 worldwide series with the with the main prize pools comes online, uh, we'll try and track the Aussies, see how they're going in that series. Um, something that it's a series that Australia has done amazingly well at for its first five or six seasons. So um, worth keeping an eye on that. Some names that have been around for. for Certainly in the six years that I've been on iRacing, I've always been at the, the top and we'll see how they're tracking. Um, and we'll also follow the Premier Endurance League GT3 Championship. So just a league that's been building um, from what was a bit of a development league up into now probably one of the strongest um, GT3 leagues in terms of participation in Australia that's ongoing. Um and um, we'll, we'll get a few different names, opportunity to hear a few different names. And um, that league is run monthly, two-hour endurance races. So we'll get a whole different picture there or, or, or a different type of racing in general uh, rather than these weekly formats or shorter, shorter formats or closer, to, closer between races. Um, yeah, and, and hopefully we'll get to meet a few people behind each of these leagues. So it'll be nice to follow along. You'll you'll hear names, then you'll hopefully hear those voices behind those names. And um, yeah, moving into our next drive-by segment, we're going to look at just one or two news topics that have come out in these opening. Uh, well, it's now iRacing Week Six of Season One, Twenty Twenty Four. So a few of the main breaking stories that are coming up. Um, in this first six weeks of the new season. Um, I think possibly one that's been long, long, long standing now is that of, um, I guess, the failings of motorsport games to really deliver on the licenses um, that they come out and purchased, and certainly some which they did purchase and outbid iRacing to get, namely IndyCar. They briefly held NASCAR licenses. Both of which iRacing have managed to reclaim. Um, you know, it's a it's been a rocky road, <laughs> to put it kindly, for motorsport games. Um, they had all these these large ascendancy with these license gatherings, um, including Le Mans twenty four hour race, which most iRacers would know. Um, iRacing can't essentially host that event now. And and label it as uh, label it as its namesake should be, um, and uh, that's because motorsport games and I Factor Two hold that license. Um, the the turning point, in my opinion, and this is just my opinion, uh, that come when motorsport games held that Le Mans twenty four hours R Factor Two event, um, 
midway through, yeah, probably midway through last year. Um, it had the whole who's who in the sim racing world, including Max Verstappen, come on and participate in that event, um, only for it to just fail spectacularly. Um, and, and resulting in Verstappen coming out and and telling everyone not to purchase R Factor 2, which has just got to be um, well, a gut-wrenching, but also, as you as you can imagine, took a toll, big toll. And, uh, and subsequently, a lot of the share prices and everything in the company's dropped. And and now that's that just as a layman observer, looks like the tipping point that that's basically undone um, all of that uh, ascendancy that was coming with this company you, late 2022, early 2023. Um, yeah, I, certainly IndyCar and NASCAR are the only licenses that we've seen them have to give up. Um, there was a British touring car uh, license that's also been torn up now as well. So it's not looking good for motorsport games, but they have announced now that they will be launching their uh, Le Mans title of game in February. Um, they've released a trailer that, that basically shows about half a lap of, of the Toyota uh, around Le Mans. Looks all right, sounds all right, but it's hard to put any faith, in my opinion, in, in something that has had so much turmoil. Um, I know there was definitely in a division out here in Australia of motorsport games that was working on on one of the, one of the licensed games that's you know since been liquidated, dissolved, taken over by someone else. You know, it, it, it's so hard to have any faith in that product now that's coming out. But you know, hopefully for the sim racing world it turns out to be you know something that's a serviceable 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 product uh especially for any sort of wec fans out there so like that's basically my my short-sighted opinion on the whole process or, or what has been the biggest sort of news topic i think of 2024 so far um there is more but we might cover some more in next week's episode Right, well, that's enough from me. This is the design of the podcast. It's meant to be short. It's meant to be sharp here at the beginning before we get into some more in-depth conversation with with the person um, that we're looking to, to speak to on the show. Um, tonight, we're going to have a conversation with Sean McNamara from 95 Simsport about his team's rapid rise through iRacing from being um, a group of mates in the beginning right the way through to now what he considers, and quite frankly, I do as well, one of Australia's top four sim racing teams. Whilst I might be a bit rusty on on my podcasting technique, I assure you Sean is sensational. So please tune in, enjoy, grab a coffee, a beer, as I did when I got to sit back and listen to Sean, uh, because it's definitely, uh, definitely inspiring to listen to him talk. So... I hope you can sit back and enjoy this conversation.
All right, g'day, Sean. How are you doing? Welcome to Sim Racing in Focus podcast. Uh, mate, how have you been? Yeah, thanks, Dave. Good, mate. Good. <laughs> I'll uh, enjoying the Brisbane weather. That's uh, no, going good. Oh, that's awesome. I actually thought you were WA, so um, uh, it makes sense. That's why I kept sending everything to you in Australian <laughs> Eastern Daylight Savings Time. I don't know what that was or why I thought well, that, but yeah. it, did, it did make sense given we're an hour behind. But no, mate, yeah. East Coast boy, East Coast boy. Okay, so you're not you're not uh, too out of um, out of sync then. We're coming on no. at this time at night. Well, that's nope. a relief. It is that's good. Awesome. Yeah, mate. Look, um, we're just. Basically, what I'm up to is we're doing a, a bit of a podcast show where we try and each week speak with someone in the community. That's um, what I like to sort of do is get in and about and see uh, not just sort of guys like yourself who are driving and team owners, but sort of league admin and um, even people working in the industry as far as hardware, yep. hard, uh, hardware reps. So just get in and have a chance to have a bit of a chat with you and get get your unique sort of experience with sim racing uh which has been you know a pretty big hobby of mine so uh we go back quite a few years now i suppose it's probably yeah, we do. two or three years yeah at least maybe even a little bit longer i guess in a racing sense but obviously the admin <laughs> stuff uh for a bit there as well but yeah be a good few years that's for sure yeah well i think you're um what particularly interests me with your story is uh, the way that I guess nine five sim sports have had a very sort of, at least in my opinion, a quick rise to up through the the sim racing ranks. And I can remember a little bit about when you first come onto the scene, and then where it is now. It, it, it's been a really rapid rise for you guys. Yeah, it's been a uh, yeah, it's been a big couple of years, that's for sure. Yeah. Well. Okay. Well, let's start right back at the beginning then and and let's talk a little bit first about yourself and what got you started and then and then what possessed you to basically start up a sim racing team which is you know hopefully people tuning into this podcast yeah (laughs) you know might be interested in picking up a few tidbits from you and and and, and, yeah it would be a a pretty good blueprint to follow um for the little i knew i do know about uh, 95 sim sport seems like people blueprint for so yeah talk a little yeah. bit about how you got into it and then uh and then yeah what possessed you to invest in the time see if that is team management yeah we'll, we'll go down the inspirational path then but um <laughs> but yeah no, look, i uh, i started sim racing probably 12 13 years ago but um really didn't take it seriously i was just uh in it uh whilst i was racing go-karts so i was um competitive in go-karts and I uh, just wanted something to keep me a little bit sharp and whatnot when I wasn't at the track and sort of it progressed a bit. I took it a bit more seriously around probably 2017, 2018 when I uh, stopped racing karts and uh, then COVID hit. Um, and just before that, I was doing driver training and actual mechanicing uh, at the racetrack uh, for a lot of up and young, up and coming young drivers, sort of mentoring and uh, trying to guide their careers a little bit while so younger and um yeah once COVID hit that all wrapped up so it instantly gave me a lot more time on the sim um and I sort of kicked off in the OSR dev series um actually it was the first time I really took anything seriously and decided to join a league and I had some fun there and then the RSRA thing popped up um so uh you know Chad and Mitch and a few of those boys kind of knew them through go-karting and um 
during the COVID piece, uh, I had a, as I said, a tuning business, it was called 9.5 Tuning. Um, so the 9.5 part has always been around uh, in some way, shape or form me, for me for uh, probably the past 20 years. But um, saw an opportunity with the karting community to actually try and, I guess, because of racing stopped. So COVID came about, racing stopped, and that was the end of it. And um, I wanted to keep all the kids active and keep them going. So I actually started a league called the IKC E-Series, which is the F-Switch Car Club E-Series. Um, and that quickly took off. Um, it absolutely exploded and created some really good um, you know, friendships out of that. And that's how the RSA RA thing came about. And yeah, uh, basically did two rounds there. And myself, Chad, Mitch, uh, Benny Siren, um, they all sort of said, oh, we'll come and race for you. So that's kind of how Nine Five was born. Um, I, I really didn't have any aspirations to to start a race team. It was I always looked up to the you know the TTRs and you know back then you had United Sim Sports and all those sorts of people. And that was I was like, oh, wow, that'd be amazing to drive for these guys one day. But uh, but yeah, so that's how Nine Five came about. It was really just uh, a few mates got together and said, yeah, bugger it, let's let's do it. And um, we, yeah. And, and- was that Ipswich Cart uh, Club? It was, was it the yeah. track that you were you were doing the teaching at, yeah. Because that's uh, that's interesting. Because I my sort of earliest memories, I think, was basically you and um, and and Simon Chadwick jumping on stream, and and I think it was the season before. I potentially I got tangled up with Real Sim Racing Australia or RSRA as we know it, um, yeah. and, and you guys were sort of dual streaming and and kind of just dominating that league so you you knew simon obviously outside of sim racing and also ben siron uh and yeah, so they sort of formed the nucleus of your team did they well correct yeah i mean chadwick uh race go-karts as well um so i really i didn't in integrate with him much at the track because we, we were in separate classes but um i knew of him and that little group of people uh, he was in and he class, was right? Uh, was he yeah. 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 <laughs> he was in the but yeah and uh and then when when i did the ikc e-series thing um he actually helped out and did some race control um for us in that um because you know 50 young hot-headed kids on track in a sim um needs a uh, an adult to keep them under control so um yeah so he, he sort of we formed the relationship through that um and then he was the one that actually said to me, you know, why don't you come and race in the RSRA league? Um, and then, yeah, the rest is, uh, they, and, and Benny and Chad, um, I believe they went to primary school together or something like that. They've, they've been friends for a very, very long time. So, um, yeah, that, that's where it all really kicked off. Okay. So you were sort of thrust into it really. And then, <laughs> and then say, so did you, <laughs> yeah, at that point, and did you, you guys were just, yeah, as far as goals and things were concerned for the team in that sort of very first year. So give us a rough timeline. Were we looking at about 2017, 18, did you say that this, this uh, That would have started? been 20, I think 2020 yep. is when... So a bit later on, again. Say 19, 20, yeah, would have been uh, the RSRA piece. And I think up until that point, I was just content jumping in, practicing, having some fun. And then, you know, I dipped my toes into the RSRA and I think first round out, I won in the first year, I think I won the championship in that. Um, and that was probably the worst thing that could happen to me because it, it lit a fire and I sort of said, well, we could do something with this. Or, you know, I, 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 I just got that competitive edge back that I had when I was racing real stuff. Um, 
you know, so that's when really a couple of months after the team kicked off that mid, I think it was early, early gen, uh, early 2000. Um, that's when I sort of started to think, well, we could probably do something with this and uh, let's knuckle down and see how it goes. It's, it's interesting you mentioned it, you mentioned that it sort of sparked your competitiveness, which I think is basically the one thing that makes iRacing what it is. Um, mm. it, it seems to walk this fine line between um, what can be sort of considered a recreation or, or enjoyment as a game, but then also then it, it does really speak if you have a competitive side, it'll latch onto that. And yeah. um, for, for me, I, uh, I played a lot of cricket growing up. Uh, I was competitive in that front. And then, you know, kids come along. I lost that competition. And then iRacing was basically my substitute for it. So it's interesting to yeah. hear you mention that because I can definitely relate to that as far as, um, as, as a way that it's, it draws you in. So it does 100%. a great job. Hmm, yeah, it does a great job. Definitely. Definitely. And that's what it's, you know, we're all, you know, everyone that's a part of it either loves motorsport or just loves sport, you know, and if you're anything to do with sport, you've got that edge. You, you, you can be there for a bit of fun, but ultimately you want a little bit of success, success along the way. It's good. Yeah. And that, yeah, it's an, I think it's one thing that will probably pop up again later in the conversation because when it comes to, I guess, managing people, you might have found similar expenses in your team. People have different levels of competitive competitiveness so it, yeah. it it's it can be yeah dealing with people within your team especially you know um, we'll find out a little bit more about nine five but the size of the team that you guys have now i'm sure there's a range of guys there that, that have different levels definitely yeah but um so yeah so i guess we're just walking through now this first year you guys got drawn into the uh, real sim racing and formed a bit of a nucleus in that first season, um, I remember you distinctly driving the Mustang back then, if memory serves me correctly. <laughs> yeah, that would be correct. <laughs> How's the race wins going now, mate? Is it still comparable or is it is it better back then? <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I'm switching back to a Mustang this year, so that might tell Ooh, you something. Oh, you know. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, definitely. Oh, great. Well, so after that first season, um, is that when you started moving into potentially like uh, attracting sponsors to the team or you, you, you go again with maybe focusing on uh, building the team out at that stage? I know that you guys have a, a pretty long standing affiliation with race car, racecraft simulation. So yeah. how did that, how did that all come about? Look, I, um, people that helped out early on, um, with the team, whether it would be a livery or, you know, whatever, or just I, I, I'm loyal to people that show respect and, you know, have a strong work ethic and customer service ethic and racecraft. Um, you know, when, when I bought uh, my first proper rig, um, you know, up until I think the back end of 2020, I was racing under a coffee table, um, you know, so it, it was pretty basic gear. And um, when I reached out to John, um, you know, there was no alliance or no deal in place then. He was just uh, an amazing bloke to deal with uh, and an amazing company to deal with. And that's not a plug in any way, I guess. But um, I, I wanted to, in the early days, we weren't sponsored by him, but I wanted to represent his brand because that was that was who the type of company and the type of person that I wanted the team to be affiliated with is someone with that respect level. Um, and that's really, you know, where 
a lot of our now sponsors are. Um, you know, Ross from RSW Graphics, he's been a part of the team for two years now, two and a half years doing all our liveries and um, supporting and all that, and along with his new, you know, his new business venture with Ten in Apparel as well. But that's how all of those relationships have come about. Is really um, a first off, I've spent some money with them, and then just cracking relationships, um, you know. And then that's just built along the journey, and and they're still a part of it now. And hopefully, uh, you know, into twenty twenty five, they'll still be a part of it then. Yeah, well, that's. It's an interesting point because it's, there's several ways to go about if you did want to attract sponsors or or yeah. affiliates with your team, isn't there? So I guess, yeah, what I can take from that is, is, is being willing to reach out and, and, and do essentially something for them for nothing in, in the beginning mm-hmm. and and trying to build on it from there is an interesting way to go about it. Um, yeah, 100%. Yeah, you mentioned Ross as well. Like uh, I've had a little bit of dealings with Ross up until this point, so he's someone that I'd love to get on and have a chat to as well. So mm. he's obviously yeah. he's a good talker. Out. He's he he's lovely. He won't, he's he lovely. won't stop talking, but yeah. <laughs> that's what we want. That, that, that's, <laughs> that's what I want. I would start a podcast to not talk. That's the whole point. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> but um, he's he's definitely someone. So he is, you know, not to deviate too much but obviously creating your liveries for you has been going for with you guys for i can i can at least think of three or four iterations of, of, of yeah. liveries that you guys have had with him so yeah again racecraft and ross when i sort of think of nine five sim sport they're two companies that i i know that are on your car straight away yeah yeah 100 100 and ross always uh I think he's running jokers that he doesn't get enough creative freedom with my liveries, but um, oh really? So uh, you, you're going to type? You're going to type. Oh, oh yeah, I'm, I'm quite OCD-ish about. Uh, you can ask if you ever get one of the boys on uh, from the team. You can ask them about wheel colours, but um, yeah, I'm quite OCD-ish about. Uh, I can understand that. Can yeah, understand so um, I, I, I'm on board with that actually. <laughs> no, no, that's why this can... year's livery is certainly. Um, yeah, I'm excited about it, and it's it's really Ross's Ross's baby. This one, so uh, yeah, pretty stoked with it. <laughs> and you know, you talk about now that they've gone from really affiliates into into sponsors. Um, how's that pressure ramped up on you in terms of do you need to fulfil things for them now? Do you have certain targets, or whether it's social media or broadcast races or anything like that that you feel like you need to, or you've agreed with them that you need to be a part of? Oh, look, certainly, I mean, there's unspoken. There's nothing officially locked in place around performance and so forth. But, you know, the, the conversations I have with John and with Ross, um, you know, it, it's really about I want to promote them as best as I can. And, and that's what I'll ask every few months is, are we doing enough for you? Um, yeah, it's not about that. That's the reality is, you know, <laughs> they're a customer um, effectively and, and, as a team and as a bunch of drivers for a team, you need to represent those brands appropriately. And if we're not producing enough media and enough, you know, sharing their stuff or tagging them in bits and pieces, um, then we're not doing our job. So um, for yep. me, that's what it's about. And that also helps us, you know, there's a few other things in the fire at the moment that hopefully we can get over the line in the next few months. But uh, I think, you know, having those relationships in place and seeing what we do, you know, hearing the cars on the broadcast and, you know, quite often they're referred to as, as racecraft cars, not 9.5 cars. And um, that's that's quite good for anything else that we're looking to do into the future as well. So, yeah, it's it's a it's a very important part 
um, of, I guess, the team culture is that those names on the car actually mean something to the team. And, um, yeah, we need to make sure that we represent them and, and we're giving them what they need. Yeah, it's it's definitely interesting. I, I think a lot of people that might be looking, venturing into starting up their own teams are already thinking about, you know, whether they can they can make a sponsorship a reality. So, you know, yeah. there's obviously like a lot of things that they can be doing between um, essentially having a startup team and going to a sponsor and saying, you know, can we have something in return for, so, you know, for whether it be social media posts or, or, yeah. or um, broadcast appearances or whatnot, um, you know, you, 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 you're showing value before you're asking for something in return. So, Correct. Yeah. So that, that's, that's very interesting. Like that, these are the type of things that I'm trying to trying to extract out of people that come on that have done, you know, far better job than what I have ever, <laughs> ever done. Well, doing it's, and it's always interesting because it's, you know, Rescraft and Turnin, they're oh, sorry, and, and RSW, they're in the sim world. So it's, it's yeah. you know, for anyone looking to start a team, it, it's so much easier to reach out for companies that are already in the sim world. Um, yeah. The hard bit is then, I guess, taking it, externally and finding that corporate level where you can bring in, you know, a, a bigger name or an, a, not necessarily a bigger name, but certainly outside of the sim community, a name that people know. Um, so baby steps initially to support the brands that support you, I think is any advice I'd give to anyone who wants to start a team up is you've got to support the people that were there to start with. And um, yeah, if you want those sort of sponsors, then look inside of the sim community and what you can do for people. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, well, what about, I guess now, you yourself, you obviously have a lot of racing commitments. Part of part of what I'm trying to do with the show is first half of a, of a podcast, I'm just trying to follow a few leagues around some sort of quick fire results and your name's always popping up in, in leagues like uh, the Vets and East Coast, these, these leagues that have already started up for 2024. Um, yeah. So you obviously have a lot of racing commitments as well. So do you find that, do you set aside time each week that you do focus on just sort of more team management stuff, building and maintaining those relationships as well? Or does it is it not that sort of time taxing on you? Uh, no, look, it is. It is. Um, trying to balance. Last year, certainly, um, you know, obviously we had Pro Series uh, and we had quite a fair few cars in the Pro Series last year. Um and that actually having the team management and the driving part um, certainly hurt my performance. Um, I didn't put enough time into the driving side and I spent too much time on the management side. Um, so, but I'm okay with that if it means that the rest of the team is performing. I'm happy to take, even though it's a confidence hit, I'm happy to, you know, put the team <laughs> first and, and make sure that. Um, that they do their thing. Whereas this year, you know, there's been a bit of a transition in our team and a couple of drivers have moved on and um, that's kind of almost relit the fire um, to take the driving side a little bit more seriously. I guess try and help and support the team from the driving side. The commercial piece uh, kind of look after itself and we've got a really good group of people in the team now that really need limited management. Um, so, um, yeah, so 2024 is so far a little bit different and... Um, kind of enjoying just getting in the seat and driving a bit more than spending you know, a ton of time having to deal with, you know, just the, not that those couple of drivers took up most of my, yeah, most of my time, but, um, <laughs> you know, as the team got a little bit smaller, it just gets a little bit easier to manage. 
Yeah. I, we'll, we will revisit those drivers in a little while. I can assure you of that. Um, <laughs> but we're jumping ahead. So we're just moving along gradually now. So, okay. So, yeah, we, we I guess uh, one more point I sort of wanted to focus on having that league like a uh, real sim racing australia there at the beginning did that that sort of help um when you had mm. when you had basically your whole team focused dialed in on one league that I, I imagine that helped in in recruiting in some ways because people could identify who you were yeah definitely um yeah rsra much of a shame it's not around now it really um i guess it really set the standard there for for a good year and a half around um you know driver numbers and quality of drivers and uh, all those bits and pieces like there, there was some as the league got bigger the, the the driving standards and the quality of drivers really lifted so you know given that we were a team that i think out of the five seasons we competed we won three championships in it and a couple of bathurst and a triple crown and freaking all these other things and that helped us certainly um yeah re- recruit well um we, we recruited at the right time with a couple of guys that um, you know, my, again, my advice, if you see someone available, it never hurts to ask the question. Um, <laughs> and, and that's, that's how we picked up a couple it was, um, just the right time, ask the right question. They could see the results were pretty strong with what we were doing and bang, all of a sudden we've got something to build on. Yeah, so, I, yeah. definitely. Yeah. I, I can concur. Like, I think I've had a few conversations with a few teams that we're in and, and, um, uh, you know, just getting in one league and, and, and solidifying in that league, you can definitely attract guys um, that way. So um, can definitely speak to that. So early doors, you, you, you sort of looked at approaching guys individually or you, you never did sort of blanket advertisements or anything like that from memory? We did one. Look, we did uh, at one point. It was a little bit further down the track. But, yeah, I certainly I, I went from being content to wanting – to be really wanted to be one of the top four teams in Australia. Um, mm. So it was sort of like, yeah, this is all fun, but hang on a second. I, I really want to do this. Um, and at one point we did, uh, we did advertise. We, we wanted to try and recruit, um, yeah, call it a senior, um, senior top level driver into the team that could support with setups and things like that as well. Um, yeah. But look, the interest out of that wasn't massive, but it was noted by people that, you know, sometimes it's not about the result, it's about the message. Um, so, you know, dropping dropping that note out there might not have generated a result at that point, but it certainly let people know that we were looking um, and that we were serious about it. So, yeah, really it was individual taps on the shoulders got us to where we are. And um, But, yeah, a few subtle hints here and there on social media yep. never hurts. Um, so yeah, that's, that's interesting because I imagine it's probably a little bit different now in terms of where the team's at and you might be looking more specifically at people now or is that sort of how you go about it now? Yeah, hundred percent. Um, you know, we're established now. We know that, um, Again, not to get further down the track, but, you know, whilst we've changed a little bit for 2024, we know that we're an established team now and we are looked at, uh, in my opinion, other people might have a different opinion, but I think we are looked at it, you know, one of the top four um, teams on the grid, um, top four, top five. Um, So, yeah, I think now it's more about targeted 
acquisitions? Who can we get? Who would want to join? You know, and I guess it's a tough one now because obviously there's a new team that started up and um, there's a massive amount of talent that's gone to that team. And then what's left? Everyone's that greater friends inside of these teams that, you know, A, you don't want to poach them or try and poach them. And B, people just enjoy driving with their mates. So that's now the challenge moving forward is, you know, find the right timing uh, to try and try and acquire the right drivers, which ain't easy. Yeah, I can imagine. And yeah, look, we might circle back to this topic later on, but I, I, you know, for someone that's just not done a whole lot of racing in the V8 scene of late, it's also probably looking like it's diminishing the talent, like the amount of participants just in general there. So um, I, I'm, you guys are mainly focused on V8 supercars. I, I guess I'm right in saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We are yeah. Um, certainly. Um, you know, we've got a portion of a GT division there, and we would like to build that. Um, certainly, with Mazomo in there and um, Hayden Sell stepping out of the supercars, and he's going to um, jump into GTs. And he's, you know, both those guys are quick in GT cars and supercars for Selly as well. But, um, but yeah. So look, we're predominantly focused on supercar, but that that i guess landscape is changing a bit at the moment and um you know a few of the boys want to go tackle gt so it'd be interesting to see how they go this year yeah um we might we'll come back to that topic again later as well um just to try and keep some sort of order moving through here (laughs) i know we're chopping changing back and forth because i'm sort of curious now yeah we sort of probably covered off the first two or three years so there was a yep. we come out of RSRA and I imagine um, you know the supercars online premier series probably become the team's yep. main focus at that point. Yep. Um, is that around about the same time that you sort of had that goal that you wanted to be within the same in the top four teams in Australia? Yeah, I think so. I mean that goal was set pretty early, and then um, you know to talk about the, the recruitment bit because really that that's the piece. But yeah, when we brought Ruddy on and um, Aaron Dodd, um, they both come to us from NSR. Um, and again, Aaron, uh, Aaron, Ruddy, on you from go-karting. So, um, yeah, it was a really good synergy to, to be able to bring him on board. And I think once we had him and Dodd on board and the pace, the best thing you can do if you want to be faster is to recruit people that are faster than you. Um, mm-hmm. And that's, that's the only way that I could see, not just for myself to, to drag myself forward in pace, but for the entire team to have someone else to shoot for. Um, and, and that's when we really, you know, we did the last year of RSRA and then Scots became the focus. Um, and that that's sort of when we went, you know what, we can, we can do this. We can compete towards the front. And, you know, a lot of hard work started to go into um, to that whole process to try and um, to try and push us as far as up the grid as we could. Um, yeah. And Ruddy was, you know, I'll say it multiple times in this chat that, uh, Ruddy was in, instrumental um, in where we are today, um, you know, around his work ethic um, yeah, and his friendship and everything else. But, uh, yeah, he was a massive part of the success that 95 is, um, you know, just just through his ability to, to work on sets and spend time because that's what it's all about. You want to be competitive, you want to be at the front, you've got to put the time in the seat. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think from the outside looking in as well, like that's really about the point in time where, you know, the, the key word's probably momentum. The momentum yeah. really picked up. Like we've, yeah. we've, we've not just on track performances, but, you know, it seemed like uh, 
every other week there was a post going up about a new driver coming to the team. And I guess that would have been the case then. You would have gone from someone that was doing the tapping on the shoulder to, to actually getting people come to you and say, is there, is there room for me there? Yeah, definitely. And that was um, it was a tough one because you, you want to bring people in and um, yeah, you have people that wanted to come and learn and wanted to be a part of what we were doing and all those things. And, you know, some of those decisions are good. Some of them you, you look back on and go, yeah, maybe it wasn't the right call, but, um, you know, yeah, it's certainly, it was a sliding door moment where all of a sudden, you know, we're getting messages every week saying, we want to come drive for you. We want to come drive for you. And that was a really good feeling. It was a tough one to manage, but it was a really good feeling. <laughs> Did you, you know, you don't, you don't have to go into any particular details, but did you have to turn anyone away? Oh, look, yeah, there was a few that we, um, yeah, that we said no to. Um, and that, that was purely um, nothing personal. It's it's just, I guess, you get to the point where you want to start acquiring certain types of drivers. And, um, again, Rudd was the benchmark in the team and you're then looking to give him a target to shoot for um, because otherwise he's going to get to the point where he goes, well, shit, I'm not learning anything now. Um, so, yeah, we certainly, there was, um, yeah, some drivers that we said, look, no, sorry, um, even though we exploded to over 20 drivers at one point. Um, you know, th yeah, there was a lot that we'd said no to. So, yeah, it's a tough one. You don't want to say no to people, but it is what it is. They've popped up at other teams and they're doing well. Yeah, and uh, so I think um, you just looking around, uh, looking at posts and things in general, you see people that, occasionally inquire about whether there's any spots on teams and and you know i think from my own personal experience back at the start it was a definitely a barrier to you, you'd see teams on track you'd think oh i'll probably not i'm probably not there i won't reach out or i won't do anything like yeah and but i think you know most teams would be very open to hearing from people if they were interested in joining them. I think most most sort of like, like talking more generally about, I guess, mid-level teams, yeah. uh, those guys that are at, you know, these teams that are fielding drivers that are around about, you know, the back end of a, of a split one Scops grid or something like that, really looking to push forward still and, and got available mm. spaces. So, you know, definitely, definitely would encourage people reaching out. Um, Definitely. As a way to, it, it really, you can fast track it by doing that, not just waiting to hear from people to advertise and, and what they're, they're looking at doing. But I went, well, we both went a different direction when we just started our own team. But, um, <laughs> you know, you've gone on to, to, to great things. Right? But, um, but yeah, I guess, you know, we talked a bit, a bit about how you sort of swelled. Now you've just mentioned before that you got up to, to around about 20 drivers. Um, yeah. Yep. So that, that would have been... Um, and you touched on it briefly already about how someone like Dylan can come into the team, really push the team forward, um, not just sort of with what he was doing on track, but bringing other people up to his level. You get mm -hmm. 20 people in there. Um, your, your, I guess, decisions as a team manager now are looking at both, both ends of the talent scale and going, what can I do for the driver that's down the bottom end of the, the talent scale and what could yeah. I do to help retain... The driver at the top end of the talent scale yeah. how, how, did you do much thinking about that was that something that was sort of conscious on your mind oh, big time big time yeah um you know we had i put in place you know incentive programs and little bonuses and you know different bits and pieces to um you know to reward people for participation because that's the biggest thing is the more time you're in the seat the 
the, the better you're going to be. Um, you know, and everyone's, you know, me included, very busy job and, you know, it's very hard for people sometimes to, to find the time to do it. But, um, you know, the people that we had, whether it's, you know, a ruddy or, you know, down the bottom end of the pace scale, um, you've got to incentivize people to want to do something. And, um, and that's what we did for a while was, um, you know, I, I put a bit of a, a dollar incentive thing in place that if you got a podium here or if you did that or you did this, then, you know, there'd be a little reward for that. And then we had our, we wanted to look at our team I rating average, not just individual I rating averages um, to try and get everyone active in officials and, and get people moving. And yeah, that, that works for some people and, and other people, it, it's good for a few weeks and then it drops off in bits and pieces. But you find out very quickly who wants, who really wants to put the effort in. Um, you know, and, and that's sort of where you then lie your focus moving forward is it's not about the guys that don't want to put the effort in. They're still there and they're still a part of what you do. But I'm not going to spend my time and energy trying to, to get those guys going harder and harder when I know I've got 60% of the boys that are fully focused and want to get into it. So, yeah, yeah it, it's, a, it's a really it's a fine line because you don't want to exclude or not include people. And, um, but people live their lives and do things how they do it. And, and that's ultimately where we got to was, um, we swelled and, uh, yeah, it, it became a bit of a challenge and we've, uh, yeah, we've cause I, I, I guess you're similar to myself where you, you don't mind putting those incentive things in place you're actually happy to see someone take it up, take up the challenge. Yeah. And, and and it wouldn't even matter if that person was on the lower end of the talent scale because, you know, if you're going to put something up and people buy into it, I think that's almost the whole hurdle right there. you just got to get that buy-in um, yeah. from people. And, and Definitely. People, some people just, you know, it, it's a, I, I find iRacing very hard to just be an escape from, from pressure. It is... It is whatever you put on yourself. I know at the end of the day, yeah. but I would I would turn to other other games or sims as as, as my sort of relaxing time. Um, yeah, some people do treat it that way, but yeah, the, the yeah you can I can I can see and appreciate what you're saying. Where yeah, in and you don't mind that that coming to as a cost to yourself. I suppose as long as no. you're seeing that sort of buy into from the people that that's what as a team manager, I think. Um, the success, the overall success, is what you're doing it for, and 100%. the cost along the end, at the end of the way, along the way, is not is um you can write it off in your own hand as being justifiable. <laughs> you, you won't get a you won't you won't you won't be able to convince anyone else outside of sim racing that it's justifiable, but you can nah. have that. Blow, blow more on a Thursday night at the pub, but uh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, nah, definitely. No, it is good. You see, you know, it, it's great when you see a, a bloke who runs mid pack all of a sudden is you know cracking a top ten, and but and just to put a name up, Craig Shules is a great example of a guy that when he came to the team he he had an okay pace, um, he was Mister Consistent, and he was far too polite to people. Um, simple as that. Um, you know, but he bought into what we're doing and he's he's consistently now cracking on the door of the top 10 and his aggression's up and he, his, his race pace is more consistent. They're the good news stories that those little programs, I guess, help with is that 
it's not about the Ruddies and the Griffins and you know the O'Shea's of the world and whatnot. It, it, for me, it's about seeing the progression of all those other guys that are aspiring to go quicker and genuinely want to get in the seat and go quicker. That's the cool bit for me. Yeah, oh, I can I can appreciate that for sure. Um, you you touched on Griffin there, joining that he he's probably one of the more recent guys to come in, but. Yeah, you probably ticked a, a big goal off on the list last year when when Griffin was able to uh, take out the Supercars Online Premier Series. So that must have been a pretty good feeling. Massive, yeah. That was, uh, yeah, that, it was again. You know, you go back a few years and you're trying to qualify for for Scops and you you're lucky if you crack top split, you know. And then all of a sudden we started cracking top split and we're like, right, we won a championship. And I think uh, it was the start of twenty two. Um, I put up a post, uh, the Wall of Champions at um, Montreal, and you know it was it was about the championship starts here. And twelve months later, it started again, and we had Griffin on board, and yeah, he, he's just he's such a um, yeah he's such a professional in a, in a sim sense, and you know, and outside of that, we've become very good friends as well. But um, he was a great acquisition, and uh, again, it was an opportunistic one where his previous team kind of dissolved and I didn't sit on my hands waiting for an opportunity. I just jumped out and said to him, well, do you want a spot? Um, and he had a, he had a choice of a few different teams and um, he picked nine five because he believes in what we're doing and uh, he could see what we were trying to build. We weren't a team of, you know, call it superstars. We were a team of just good blokes who uh, were chipping the right way. And, and for him to pick up that championship last year, he, he cared so much about it almost more so for to win it for me than win it for himself um you know if he'd have a bad round he'd message me goes i feel like i've let you down that's bullshit you know he (laughs) absolutely he's just he's so committed to the team and so committed to what we do and yeah to see him win that last year and he's tried a few years before and um you know he's just come up short but to see him get that was um yeah it was a big tick for him and um for me yeah, it was validation for him just to show who who Griffin Gardner is in the sim world. He's he's no slouch and he's he's the real deal. Yeah, because I, you know, I think I've been been around i racing now for probably about six years, and and even going back right back to the start, I think I'm right in saying I, I can remember Griffin popping up here and there. Um, yeah, he was sort of all, you know looking at scops or something. He was always talked about you know as someone that had potential 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 um and he would sort of deliver these lightning rod performances where you know one every five rounds he would just be somewhere where no one expected him to be in terms of battling in the top five or whatever but then other weeks he could be down in the in the 20s so 20s 30s etc etc um and and yeah he 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 never seemed to be affiliated with a with an aussie team or or I think I'm right in saying that Vendable might have been an overseas team, but like yeah, Vendable were overseas, yeah. And and he was obviously tied up outside with with other categories as well, not just Supercar. Yeah. But you know, it, it was a name that um, I seem to know, recall, I've I've known of for a long time. But you yeah, you didn't really get to see him or become familiar with him until he joined Nine Five last season, and and he was just an ever present fixture. Yeah. So um, that's obviously. I, I would attribute that in part to the to the environment that he sort of moved into. Yeah, and I think you know him and again Ruddy, but you know myself and O'Shea and Ratu as well. You know, 
he's he's worked so well with us all. And given he is a Perth boy, um, so he is on the on the wrong side. But um, yeah, the time <laughs> difference makes it a bit clunky um, from that point of view sometimes. But yeah, he'll still turn up and still be you know thereabouts where we need to be to to all get together and get on with it. And um, his maturity, I think, it's funny you talk about you know he'd, he'd have races where he's you know battling the top five for a win and other races where he's down in p20 and i think last year i think the turning point for him was just his consistency and maturity and driving um yeah he was content to go you know what i could probably make this move but i'm just gonna consolidate here and and finish p2 or finish p3 um and i think that was you know, seeing what he had done previously um, into into last year, I think that was the biggest turning point. And he, he's just yeah, such a quality guy, just a great driver. So we'll uh, we'll see what twenty twenty four brings for him. Oh, that yeah, that, that's good to hear. He's he's, he's not particularly old. Old. Um, nah, no, he's no, only, yeah. only seventy three. No, he's twenty 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 one. You'll Except probably shoot me if I got that wrong, but yeah, seventy three. Yeah. Well, he's been in the sim world for that long, so it's like dog years. He though. has, yeah, yeah, yeah. He hasn't um, even got into sim sim debt yet. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, well, that, yeah. So he could be potentially like, yeah. You look at him, someone that yeah, is in had some great success last year. I'm sure he's going to attract interest as well. But you know, um, we have that sort of success story of last year there, and then you mentioned it before, but you know the start of this year, Ruddy moves on. Is it, uh, did Rick Kuznetsov also move on? Yeah, Rick moved as well, yeah. So yeah. how how does... Uh, was that something you knew was, was boiling away in the background or did that sort of take you by surprise? And, oh, look, and how did you sort of feel about that? Oh, I was pretty emotional uh, about the Ruddy one, to be honest <laughs> with you. Um, yeah, uh, and not in a, in a bad way. Look, Rudd's got a few really good mates in the sim world and um you know james is is one of those and it's always been i guess in the it's always been a close point of at some point he'll go drive with james um you know and you can't you can't deny that and and the way that um you know ruddy did it and uh it was ultra professional and I, i can't fault him and you know james and all those guys enough um for for the way they did it um, yeah, you know, we all talked about it openly and uh, respectfully. Um, you know, there was no bad blood about it, and I, I wish him and all those new guys, um, so to speak, um, all the best uh, this year. But yeah, it, it was outside of the fact that you know he was so quick in the team, and um, you know he did a lot for us from setup point of view. Um, you know, as I said to him, and I said to the guys in the team as well, it's actually more about just not having him. Uh, a part of the friendship group, so to speak, day to day. Um, yeah, you know, that, that's that's a bigger bit uh, for me. Is uh, yeah, not having him in the chats and things like that. Um, it sounds like we've broken up, but you know that's sort of what it is. But it's great. You know, he jumps in the discords with the boys still, and you know we do officials together and have a laugh and a joke and uh, whatnot. So he he's got a great opportunity. And look, the Rick one, um, that one was probably a little bit of a tougher one, only because it. it it sort of sprung up last minute and that's not a shot at Rick. It was, um, yeah, there was, there was no real notice on it. It happened pretty quickly, but Rick wanted an opportunity to go and, um, do some GT stuff. And, uh, you know, we're not a team that's really geared up for that at the moment as much as we want to be. So, um, you know, he had a great opportunity to go, to go do that and he'll still pop up in the supercar land and, 
but um, but yeah, his his focus for twenty twenty four is um, you know he wants to get into uh, Porsche Cup, the Pesk series, uh, all that sort of stuff. So you know that's where he needs to be to achieve that for himself. And again, wish him you know nothing nothing but the best. But uh, if they're listening, if you both want to come back at any point, go for it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, but yeah, so it, it was it was a tough one. Yeah, it was a tough one, but it is what it is. You move on and. Um, you know, we've we've got a cracking lineup outside of that, so um, yeah, we'll build on that for twenty twenty four. Yeah, because that I think, uh, you know, the first thought it's like the team has been on such a meteoric rise that this might be the first time that 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 forward momentum in terms of on track results goes hmm. might halt for a little while. And but you know, people coming and going, it's all part of team management and and, and yeah. You know, there's like you said, um, yeah, we blur the lines, I think, in sim racing between um, friendship and, and having a good time and also that, that more serious side and, and, and yeah. being able to be professional in those situations is obviously, um, it's going to leave that door open for if they do want to come back, that you, 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 know, you as the manager got to make sure you don't burn that bridge down. You're 100%, and same as the driver, you know, you, you're going to come across if people aren't happy, then they need to voice it and they need to talk about it properly. And I like to think that that's what we do uh, most of the time. And you're always going to get some that don't, um, you know, and those bridges do get burnt and they won't come back. But that's what, you know, again, the guys that we've got certainly at the moment are ultra professional and uh, yeah, no bridges, no bridges burnt in these departures. And um, yeah, who knows? Wait and see what uh, happens in the future. Absolutely. Well, I've kept, I've got, I've got you now for forty-five minutes, and I said I'd, I'd have you for forty-five. So you, you're free to leave at any time. But oh, mate, we're yeah. only halfway there, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I might have to make this two parts. <laughs> I'm trying to get away from the whole. Here, have a two-hour podcast to digest. It's not. Yeah, yeah. I'm only trying to keep this within an hour, but you know, yep. it's easy. You know, it may, it may be. Um, it may be a long time before we get to catch up again. So I'm, I'm oh yeah, you know, I'll edit it down if we need be. But I've still got more things to keep going on with if you're happy to stick around. Yeah, let's rock. Let's do it. Yeah. We can, we can sort of come, I guess, more to the now situation. Yeah, um, 100%. So I noticed that the pre-quality for the Logitech G Invitational Series had wrapped up last week. Yep. And, and, and you managed to get through in the – is it the – Give us a first of all, just a little bit of an explanation about how that pre quality works, and then and then yep. where you managed to come through in that those results yes. last week. So obviously, uh, I mean, if you talk about the actual um, series, so the top twenty from the championship automatically qualify um, to compete the next year. Um, so the top twenty are locked away, obviously, and then uh, there's a pre qualifying series where anyone can sign up um, to. Basically, it's a two-track qualifying session uh, or series, so to speak. Um, post your best times. Just it's similar to the old Scots format where it's six-hour servers get into it, um, and then you combine time from I think it was at Winton and Phillip Island. Uh, you combine time with them, put you in um, in sequence, and the top forty-five from from that uh, go through to the four-round qualifying series. Um, which is uh, kicks off at the start of February. Uh, so that'll be 45 cars in that. Uh, and then the top, basically the top 20 from that go through 
um, to or, or receive an invitation, I should say, not to go through, um, receive an invitation to go into uh, the official Logitech G Pro Invitational Series um, kicking off in March. So it's quite a process. Um, so it's for, it's, well, it's the entire month of February. Um, I think there's one Wednesday off. But, yeah, we've got you know, myself in there, Griffin's in there, uh, Craig qualified for it. Um, you know, obviously O'Shea is already qualified because he finished uh, P11 last year in the championship for that. Um, so he's already through. And then that's it. The rest of the boys are um, Brad sitting out with work commitments this year. Um, but he'll he'll be a cracking co-driver at the back end of the year. Um, and then we've got Bilson. Cam Jones is still a chance. Um, obviously, there's a golden ticket process as well. So um, East Coast uh, and V8 bets. So the top two... I shouldn't say the top two. The highest two in the championship for East Coast that aren't already in Pro Series uh, receive a golden ticket in. Um, so I've currently got the top ticket for that locked away at the moment. There's still a few rounds to go. Uh, and then same for Vets. There's one ticket available, I think it is, for Vets as well. So for the for the championship okay. there. So, yeah, it's quite, quite an interesting process. So it should be good. Yeah, that's a, it's... Um... I'm going to put you in the hot seat here, actually. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> where are we looking at Logitech G now on the overall landscape? So I think down the track, uh, a guy that I would absolutely love to have a chat with is, is Jordan Ross, who's obviously tied up pretty well there with Logitech. And, and, and we've got a bit of a changing, um, uh, a changing, what's the word I'm looking for, structure in V8 yeah. supercars where... Um, We've seen a change of ownership in with the Supercars Online Premier Series. Yeah, uh, Logitech G's on the rise, but it's not necessarily available to everyone. So I think you know down the track, obviously, love to get Jordan and we, we sort of chat through about the V8 Supercar landscape and and where a good point yeah. to get on it as far as a development standpoint goes, and then where you're sort of aspiring to be to. Um, that's a long-winded way of saying: Are we are we regarding Logitech G now as the Premier? Yeah, Supercar absolutely. Series? Absolutely. Um, yeah, and it's only going to get stronger and stronger from a competition point of view. Um, you know, it, it is, and, and I am uh, fortunate enough for actually, I, I do work with Jordan and um, Brenton on an admin side for Pro Series, um, but it's, it is ultra perfect. You talk about social media content, website content, uh, the amount of work that goes in behind the scenes for it. Um, the quality of drivers, the caliber of drivers is, is just next level. And this season, you know, will be the first season was like, yeah, you could go, you could qualify top 20 comfortably if you played it smart. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Last year was, you have a bad round, you know, hope this year it, it could be anything. Um, you know, the, the names that are in the qualifying series, the top 15 or 20 there are strong enough to win races in, in pro series, so I think it is definitely the the benchmark now in a, in Australian supercar racing sim racing. That is um, absolutely for sure. Yeah, it gives me the impression that in a couple of weeks' time we're going to be talking about who's not racing in this series yes. as, as a major yep. talking point um, by by the process of elimination from the qualifying series. So yeah, it's interesting. Um, obviously. Uh, Brenton and Jordan are really um, a, a, a taken, you know, a great product that the Supercars Online Premier Series have had for a long time, and and again mm -hmm. moving it 
now further towards that prof- a professional standard um, where, uh, yeah, there's bigger things at stake. There's bigger things to, in probably I'm right in saying in, to be able to participate, there's bigger bigger things that you need to stump up and then, um, you know, obviously bigger prices as well at, at the end of it. Yeah, it's definitely, uh, yeah, Scops was, Scops was such a great, and, and not just Scops, by the way, OSR devs, you know, that, that whole that whole progress through the dev series into Scops, into Top Split, um, yeah, that was such a great format for so long. Um, yeah, and I mean, I'll, I'll let Brenton and, and Jordan chat about it if you ever get them on, but, you know, what they've done with it is they really wanted to take that product and, and take it to another level, and I think I think they've done that. Absolutely, uh, tenfold. They've done an amazing job with it. Yeah, well, we'll definitely put the feelers out, and hopefully, they can come in and we definitely have a good, really dissect it <laughs> with yeah. them. Um, so, so you mentioned you've got about five guys moving through that process now, either either, yeah. either qualified already or, or moving through it. And then, is it then um, we're kind of in a period where we're going to have to wait and see with scops? As uh, I mean, I've, I've participated in the in the Australian online gaming. Uh, Porsche yep. Cup series, the the people that have now taken over there at, at the Supercars Online Premier Series, they run a really good show, so I'm sure it'll be really good. Um, mm. Is it a case now that those guys that miss out on that uh, Logitech G now focus will go back to Scops as really really their their sort of fallback series? Do you think? Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, I think so. Uh, and I th- and to be honest, I think even those of us that do make it into pro, um, you know, from a team point of view, will still represent in Scops. Um, I think, you know, this year, hopefully that, that change, you know, a little bit of a, a difference to it might bring back a couple of teams and the competition will be there, um, you know, at another level again. But, uh, but yeah, we'll still, yeah, we'll still venture into Scops. It's, there's no doubt about it. And, um, you know, East Coast, obviously, weekly, we're, we're heavily committed to as well. So that's certainly uh, the, the plan this year, for sure. All right. Well, I think that's about everything that I've got. But, um, mate, I just wanted to thank, thank you so much for coming on. It's been just really cool just to sit back and listen to you talk. Um, I've had a really good time. So hopefully you've enjoyed it. And I think we can we can sort of wrap it up at this point. And, um, mate, I hope I hope at some chance, uh, at some stage, we can we can do it all again. Yeah, definitely, mate. Thanks for having me on. And, uh, yeah, uh, definitely do it again. Maybe uh, when we win another couple of championships. <laughs> Once the landscape changes again, we'll find out where you, what your goals are changed to, and and, and yeah, like I'm sure, hopefully the team's not going anywhere soon, and you know it, it's a great success story. I think nine five sim sport, uh, you know, one of the best things I think that you guys have managed to do there is the way that it would at least appear to outside people that people just actually wanted to go there and drive. Like that's. Yeah. That really must be something you guys must be proud of. And is there anyone else helping you? One more thing, I'll chuck this in at the end. Is there anyone else really helping you? Or is, it, is, some, is this something that you sort of tackle by yourself? Oh, Obviously, no, there's... Yeah. We started, well, I started, mid last year, it got a bit chaotic. So we started up with an admin group. So, you know, Griffin supports there, Craig um, supports, and, uh, and Chadwick um, throws a bit of support there as well. And that was really just put in place so that we could bounce ideas off each other. So it's not just. You know, the bloke wearing the 951 always telling people how it is because <laughs> um, that, that's not, you know, that's not really fair on, on me or anyone else. So, yeah, no, look, Griffin, um, yeah, Griff's, Griff's been a great help um, just bouncing stuff off and, 
uh, yeah, Craig and Chad as well. But all the boys do something in some way, shape or form. So, um, yeah, do appreciate the guys and all the support that they uh, they equally give me. Yeah, that's probably a fair, fair thing to end on is that, you know, we've, we've mentioned at length, you know, Racecraft and and uh, RSW and, and turn in as, as people that back the team. Is there anyone else there on board that, that people need to know about? Yeah, we've got Prestige Sim Photography on there as well. Um, you know, so photos and bits and pieces certainly head uh, head their way. And uh, and then again, another another one from the karting world, but racing is custom use protection. Um, Aaron, um, uh, Aaron, which is actually Hayden Sills' mum. Yeah, done a lot of done a lot of uh, stuff at the go kart track with them and mentoring Hayden and and whatnot. But yeah, so they've got that business as well. So uh, they're really the uh, legacy sponsors, so to speak, of the team. And uh, yeah, if you ever need anything, head to our socials and check out the links. Perfect, mate. It's been been awesome. Thanks again. Um, yeah, looking forward to the next time we get to do it. No worries, mate. Thank you. And that is it for episode one of the Sim Racing in Focus podcast. I hope you enjoyed that interview. I hope you enjoyed the style of the podcast and you can come back again and listen to it again next week. Um, don't forget, if you do enjoy the show, you want to be reminded, you can jump online at the simracinginfocus.blog website, uh, subscribe to the email. You'll be sent out the new episodes in each email each week uh, or just follow along on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Everything will be linked in the show notes. So, um, look, appreciate you stopping by. Hopefully, we'll see you again next week and uh, looking forward to our next guest um, and what they've got to contribute. So, that's pretty much it from me tonight. Um, Bye for now.